I want us to go to the word of the Lord today because this is a most significant time. And in these particular times that uh, have to do with events that are historical and of great impact in the to the church, it's important that we always recognize those times. For example, when I was a younger pastor, I resented the holidays. Uh, and, and I don't mean it like I was Ebenezer Scrooge or the Grinch, but I didn't like the Christmas season because you were forced into a particular theme, whether that's what you needed or felt you needed to speak about or not. I've come since then to recognize that that is what I'm supposed to be speaking about. There are certain traditions and values in the church that must be kept alive. They are the anchor that hold us to the solid bedrock of truth. And we can never let those go. And I'm going to turn to an unusual couple of passages of Scripture for uh, an Easter message, but I think you'll see where I'm going. In Ephesians, Paul writes in verse 15, beginning, and I love Ephesians. It is the most poetic and eloquent of all of the New Testament passages. Paul says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you, notice this, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. Notice he connects the power with what he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Say this with me, far above all principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I love that. You ever seen somebody in a race that gets so far ahead, uh, ahead that the rest are lost back there somewhere in the dust? That's what the Bible says that Jesus did. He literally left everything else, every competing authority and power in this world, and there were many. He left them in the dust. And Paul says he put, God put all things under his feet, the feet of Christ, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then to the book of Matthew for a brief reading, chapter 14, verse 28. Then Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I realize again that these are not the verses one would expect to hear taught on Easter Sunday, but today I feel led to begin here this beautiful Easter morning and it is a beautiful Easter morning, isn't it? Amen. Uh, so beautiful. I want to speak from this subject. What's over your head is under his feet. 
what's over your head is under his feet. Father, I thank you today for the incredible gift that you have given us of your son. I thank you for the amazing work of grace that he has caused to happen in our lives. Oh, the reckless love of God chases me down. All of us fights until we're found. Thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Give me a few moments, as it were, to just lay out my case, and I would point out that the resurrection of Jesus is the single most important event that has ever occurred in the history of mankind. Think about it. Getting out of a grave isn't easy under the best of circumstances, but if you're dead, it kind of complicates matters. I heard about a guy that had left a bar late one night and took a shortcut home through a graveyard, and there was a funeral scheduled for the next day, so the workers had already excavated the hole where the casket would be lowered in the service the next day, and the tipsy fellow walked right into the grave in the darkness and fell in. And of course, he shouted for help, and nobody could hear him. And then he decided, well, if no one can hear me, let me see if I can get out of this thing. And he jumped, and he jumped trying to get out until finally in a state of utter exhaustion, he gave up and sat down in a dark corner of the grave to wait for morning when the workers would arrive and would assist him in getting out of that that hole in the ground. And while he was dozing, another tipsy fellow decided to also take a shortcut through the same graveyard and he fell into the same grave. And after recovering from the fall, the second fellow began to shout, Help! And nobody answered, of course, and so he too decided he was going to jump up and see if he could grab the edge of the grave and pull himself out. So he jumped once and he jumped twice and the fellow in the corner is watching all of this and he said, there's no need for you to try. You will not never get out of this grave, but he did. (laughs) Think about it. He did. He managed He found power he didn't realize he had. Jesus got up and walked out of the tomb three days after being executed in the single most painful manner of execution that existed. Talk about cruel and unusual punishment. It began with his betrayal by Judas and he was arrested by the temple guards. And then he was tried by the Sanhedrin. They plucked his beard and beat him severely. He was sent to Pilate. Pilate examined him, sent him to Herod, and then sent him back. Herod sent him back to Pilate again, and there he was beaten with a cat of nine tails. A whip with nine lashes that had bone and metal woven into its leather thongs. In the hands of a skillful soldier, this instrument would rip the skin and the flesh from the back and the ribs and the legs of the one being punished. A crown of thorns was then, after all he went through, placed upon his head and hammered into his brow. He was then brought back to Pilate in this bloody condition. And as Pilate looked at him, he brought him before the people and said, Behold the man, thinking that their bloodlust would be satisfied with the savagery of what Christ had experienced. But instead, moved by the religious leaders who viewed Jesus as competition to them and who wanted him dead, 
The crowd began to cry, crucify him, crucify him. At that point, Pilate washed his hands to say symbolically that he was removing himself from the matter. I'm done with this. I find no fault with this man, but I'm going to give him over to what you have required and demanded of me. And he sent Jesus to be executed. Christ was forced to carry his cross to the scene of the execution. We are told that as they brought him to this hill, that every place he put his foot left a footprint of blood. It is called the Via Dolorosa. I have walked it many times. And every time I've ever walked it, it's been a profoundly moving experience for me. As I realized that here is where Jesus carried the cross. Such was his love for me. Oh God, none of us deserve what he did for us that day. After being forced to carry the cross, they nailed his hands and his feet to the cross. When he reached the top of the hill, rode over where he would be hung and suspended. The words, Jesus of Nazareth, son of God, in a mockery. And then they erected the cross, dropped it with a thud into the hole in the ground that had been dug for it. And that is where he died. He had to breathe by pulling himself up and pushing against the nails in his feet. That was the only way he could relieve the tension across the muscles in his chest and allow him to pull air into his lungs and then to exhale. He had to do the opposite and lower himself on the cross. And finally, weak from loss of blood, he cried out, it is finished and hung his head and died. In the Jewish culture, a new day begins at 6 p.m., not at midnight as we're accustomed to on our calendar. Many people find that strange. They don't realize it in a number of places around the world. They use a different calendar setting to mark the movement of days than we do. Muslims, for example, their day begins at sunrise in the morning, not at midnight. The Jewish calendar began at 6 in the evening. Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And since six o'clock was rapidly approaching, the priest went to the Roman soldiers and said, we've got to wrap this up and get this done because our law will not allow him to remain there after the Sabbath or after the 6 p.m. rather because the Sabbath begins at six and that's just a short time away. And so the Roman soldiers took a heavy battle ax with a blunt end on one side and they took it and they swung it against the legs, breaking the femurs of the two thieves that were hung with Christ. And then they walked over to Jesus, and and strangely, he was already dead. And they made that observation, and the Roman centurion said, Are you sure? And they said, He looks dead. And so he thrust the spear into his side, and from his side came forth blood and water. Thank God for the blood. I said, Thank God for the blood. Thank God that I've been baptized with him. Because you might not realize it, but when you get baptized, there's water. And then there's also blood in the water. Amen. Jesus died. And the Roman soldiers pulled him down from the cross. And they pulled the nails from his hands and feet. He was carried away because of the suddenness of his death. 
They were not expecting this. His disciples began to look for a tomb. Joseph of Arimathea, member of the Sanhedrin who had opposed his execution, volunteered the use of his tomb. And he was placed in that tomb. And then they hurriedly sealed it, barely having had a time to wipe the blood away from the massacred remains that had been savagely brutalized. That was Jesus. And they left him there intending to come on Sunday morning. Because on the Sabbath day, which began in just a few minutes now, they would not be able to do anything. And then the day ended at 6 the next evening, but by then it was growing dark. So they said, we'll make plans to come Sunday morning. But when they got there, the tomb was empty. Three days he remained dead. Died on Friday evening. Dead on Saturday. Dead till Sunday morning. But when Sunday morning came, something happened. He did not stay dead. And that is why we are here right now. Had Christ remained in that tomb, none of us would be in this service this morning. Christianity would not exist. The crucifixion of Jesus would remain an interesting footnote in history. But it would not have made the profound changes That have occurred as a result of his resurrection. And that is why I say it is the single most important and extraordinary event to occur in man's existence on this planet. That is not to diminish any of the other remarkable things in the way of achievements that man has wrought. I think of the field of geography. There have been notable occurrences, achievements of men that were remarkable that forever changed the way that mankind lived. The discovery of the Americas by Christopher Columbus literally changed the way the world was perceived. Our world was never the same after that. Think about the trade routes that were opened up. Think about the world of discovery and exploration and the Spanish conquistadors and and all that occurred following that trip across the ocean on three fragile tiny ships. Amen. For one thing, it proved the world was not flat as they had previously believed. In the realm of physics, a man sitting under a tree named Isaac Newton observed an apple fall and wondered why does it fall instead of going up or sideways or remaining where it's at. And with his brilliant mind, considered to be one of the most brilliant people that ever lived, Isaac Newton made the proclamation there is an unseen law that was named gravity. What is so significant about that is it hinted that in this world that There were laws you could not see. And in the realm of physics, as explorers no longer traveled to distant lands, because now those lands had been discovered, they began to explore the realm of the unseen world, to discover that there were laws that had just as profound an impact on the way we live that were not seen as those things that could be seen. Amen. I think also as a result of those Achievements, the engineering accomplishments such as modern machinery, the industrial revolution, the wonder of the internal combustible engine, the automobile, the jet airplane. You see, services like this 150, 200 years ago would not even have been possible. 
Because we would have all had to get in horse and buggies from wherever you live. Some of you don't live right next to the church. And, and you would have had to get up at 3 or 4 in the morning and hitch up the, the horse and the buggy or the mule. And, and you would have had to drive all, walk all that distance in that cart and come here. And, and you, don't, you wouldn't have the comfortable car with air conditioning. Because of these discoveries, we're able to park our cars instead of our wagons on the parking lot. Some of our maintenance people might be a little dismayed by puddles of oil every now and then, but trust me, they had other stuff they dealt with back then. And I like this a whole lot better. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. The study of medicine, the discovery of the bacterial world, aided by the invention of the microscope, opened up the field of biology in a way never before possible. Now, instead of believing that, for example, malaria was caused by breathing in the, the air of a swamp, the decaying vegetation that produces the methane gas with its smell. Instead of that producing malaria, they discovered that it was a microscopic organism, a microbe inside the body of a mosquito, and they could now attack that. I, for one, appreciate it. I've had malaria on a number of occasions, and I'm really, really glad that they figured out what the cause of it was because knowing the cause, they could now begin to produce a medicine. Well, you and I had a problem that ordinary medicine could not fix. I wish I could hear an amen. Oh, yes, we did. We had a sin problem, a problem of alienation from God. And just like the modern advances of technology have changed things, I mean, who would want to live without a cell phone? How often do you see somebody doing this right here, reaching into their back pocket to grab a cell phone or walking with one in their hand? I mean, life is so much better with the Internet, amen, the World Wide Web. Well, let me tell you something. None of those achievements even come close to causing to happen in your life what Jesus caused to happen when he rose from the tomb, having conquered death, hell, and the grave. I want to say something. If you will allow it, the resurrection of Jesus will change your life. You will never be the same again. He came to rescue lost humanity from the destruction of an enemy that did not want you to achieve your purpose. Oh, if nobody's ever told you, you are here because God brought you here. You're not an accident of creation. You're a divine marvel, unique and gifted to this world. Yes, you are. God has a purpose for your life. Paul has this in mind and the significance of the resurrection when he writes this epistle to the believers of Ephesus. He is particularly concerned that we as believers come to understand the resurrection is more than just an historical event. Rather, he is concerned about the practical application of the benefits. Everybody say benefits of the resurrection and how they can transform our daily lives. When you go to work at a company, you want to know what the benefits are. When you come into the kingdom of God, Paul wants you to know what the benefits are of the resurrection. Amen. He first begins to tell us that he's praying for four things to happen. There are others in this passage, but I want to focus on these four. He first prays that we could experience a revelation. Everybody say revelation. 
of all Christ actually accomplished for us in the resurrection. He grapples in his ability to try to to convey by the, the means of conveyance of ordinary language the significance and the truths that occurred in the resurrection. What actually happened leaves him feeling inadequate. Here is this man with the equivalent of a PhD by the age of 22 years of oh, a 22 years of age. Though a scholar, he admits that now I can't find the words. And so all I can do is pray for you that God will show you the benefits that actually occurred in the resurrection. Amen. I'd like to tell you, but I can't. Because words can't describe it. No pen can write it. No tongue can utter it. We can talk about it, but we can't convey to you the significance of what really took place that Easter morning. Amen. And he names three specific things that he wants us to receive by revelation. Everybody again say revelation. You can read this book, but God needs to make it come alive. Amen. You can hear somebody talk about it, which is why I go to church on Sunday. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because in my room by myself, I might not get everything that I need. But under the inspiration of the anointing of God in a place where others are worshiping together, God causes something to be released into my spirit. That's why Paul said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. If you don't mind me saying this, never be one of those that only come on Easter. Amen. And so Paul, you think I'm just gigging you right now, but I'm not. I'm just talking about, oh, come on, let me preach, would you? Okay, you won't do it, preach, pastor. Thank you. I believe I will. Amen. Because it's necessary. You need the word. Turn to somebody and say, you need the word. Would you do that? The first of these life-changing resurrections, of uh, uh, revelations rather, is what the resurrection actually means to us as believers. So he's praying we receive revelation, but it's in these three, three areas. Number one, what does the resurrection mean to you? And number two, he is praying that we would know by revelation just how incredible the mighty power of God had to be for Christ to be resurrected from the dead. You see, lots of people believe in the resurrection, but it hasn't changed their lives. So Paul wants you to know what the resurrection actually means to us, but number two, to look at the power behind it. There's a reason for that. And number three, Paul prays that revelation would cause us to fully comprehend that the resurrection has far more has more to do, far more to do with some than with something other than the, the just somebody getting up out of the tomb. Say that the resurrection has far more to do, amen, with things in your life than someone just getting up out of a tomb. Here's what I mean by that. Something happened in the, the spirit dimension. You see, just like Isaac Newton became aware that an apple falling was in the grip of a law called the law of gravity, there are other things that you can't see either. There is a spirit dimension, and what you need to understand, Paul says, is that something happened in the spirit world. 
When Jesus rose from the dead, there was an echo that reverberated through the corridors of hell. Satan began to tremble and demons began to weep. Cries were heard among the smoke and the flames. Saints got up out of their tombs in Jerusalem and began to walk the streets because Christ had risen. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. Because what happened that day released man from the bondage of sin and death. Paul prays for these three things to be revealed to us. Because he says the resurrection has great significance and he prays this for a reason. He knows that we're all going to face challenges in this broken world. Oh yes, we will. Look at your neighbor and say, challenges come. Say it, challenges come. Whether you invite them or not. You ever have anybody crash your party? The devil will crash your party. Just when you think things are going good, he will show up. Yes, he will. He will yank the rug out from underneath your feet because we are a fallen people that live in a fallen world that is ruled by a fallen Lord. But when Jesus rose from the dead, something began to shake the very foundations of hell itself. And Paul says you need to know what went on. Amen. Because in this broken world, things can overwhelm you. Oh, yes, they can. They can discourage you. You can find yourself going under. You don't see any way out. Has anybody in this building ever been to that point? Everything was going so good. And then out of nowhere. I mean, out of nowhere. Anybody anybody here relate to this? Suddenly... <laughs> You don't know how, you don't know why, but all of a sudden it turned around and started going the wrong way. And you felt yourself sinking. The waves going over your head, you began to sink. And this is why I turned today to tell you about Peter. He sees Jesus walking on the water. And when Jesus is walking on the water, Peter cries out, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come and Jesus says come and Peter stepped out he wasn't walking on water he was walking on the word of God come to me you see you can stand on the word when everything else will let you down but Peter begins to look at the conditions of the sea around him the waves are boisterous. The wind is howling. He gets his eyes off Jesus and begins to focus on his problem. Hmm. Has that ever happened to you? That your problem takes your eyes off him. And as soon as it does, you will begin to do what Peter did. He began to sink and the waves are going over his head. I don't know if he could swim or not. But he cries out, Lord, save me. And a hand shoots out and grabs him by the hand and lifts him up. You see, what was over Peter's head was under the feet of Jesus. I need you to know that whatever is seeking your life, it's under the feet of Jesus. Whatever your problem is. 
It doesn't matter the condition or the circumstance or the medical report. It's under the feet of Jesus. Oh, somebody in the building, give the Lord some praise right now. Hallelujah. 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 I'm no doubt talking to someone here today who is facing something that is bigger than you are. It's bigger than anything you ever believed you would face. It's over your head. It might be a relationship that's turned sour and now you just don't know what to do. You didn't get married to end up where you are. You didn't intend to go through all of this when you stood in, in, the, in front of a church and, and pledged your vows to one another. It wasn't supposed to reach this place. It wasn't supposed to be your, the situation that you got when you went to the doctor's office and he handed you a report. That wasn't what you were looking for. Life was going on. Or maybe it's a crisis in your faith. But something has come along that's caused you to sink and go under. And you don't know who to turn to. The message of Easter is it might be over your head, but it's under his feet. He can save you when nobody else can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got good news today. That Jesus is over your circumstance. It's under his feet. Amen. Listen. We've all been there and I have too. And if you haven't, just trust me. (laughs) Forgive me for being the one to burst your bubble. To strip the illusions away and make you face life as it really is. In this broken world, if it hasn't happened yet, it will. I promise you it will. You're going to find yourself in a situation that you don't know how to handle. I don't care how many degrees you have. I don't, I don't care who your attorney or your banker is or who your doctor is. You're going to find yourself in this broken world in a situation where you need help that man can't supply. Listen, the psalmist said in Psalm 77, verse 1, I cried out to God with my voice. (laughs) Yeah, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, say that, my trouble. Oh, I want you to get that, my trouble. (laughs) In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. You ever have trouble show up at your door with your name on it? I walked into the office this morning and Pastor Irvin Clark was there with me and I got a big box, a package that I wasn't expecting and it was sitting there on my desk and so I started opening it up and it was from Delta Airlines and I'm a 360 member. If you don't know what that is, you don't fly enough, amen. But I fly there. We always thought Diamond Medallion was the top tier program. No, they got another one above that called 360. And uh, that's the one they put me in because I fly so much. I do, I do a lot of miles on airlines and I don't pay for it. They just give it to me. They sent me a package and they had some, I opened it up. It had my name on the package. You ever get that kind of a deal? Your name is on what shows up at your door. And they've got some expensive noise-canceling headphones in that thing. And they've got a hat that says 360. And Pastor Irvin Clark was there, and he said, I want that hat. Amen. 
because his email has 360 in it. But it didn't have Irvin Clark's name on it. It had my name on the package. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? The psalmist said in the day of my trouble, the packet showed up and it had my name on it. What do you do when trouble knocks at your door and it's got your name on it? He said, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. And I remembered God. Oh, Lord, how many of us forget God until we are backed into a corner That's when we remember him. And he said, I was troubled and I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. But what do you do when that happens? Listen to this. This is what you do. In my distress, David said, I called upon the Lord. Call upon God. Don't be like that fellow in that grave calling for somebody that can't help you. You will be crying and your cry will fall on deaf ears. But if you call upon the Lord, I know somebody that will respond because he's never let me down, not one time. Do I have anybody else in the building that can say, great is thy faithfulness, oh God. Because I have let you down, but you've never let me down, not even once. There have been times I made mistakes, but when I found myself in that corner and I needed grace, all I had to do was lift up my hand like the psalmist, stretch out my hand to God. It was the day of my trouble, and I said, Lord, help me. In the day of my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. I need somebody to hear it. He heard me. He heard me. He heard me. He heard me. Verse 7 said, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills quaked and were shaken because he was angry. God will get mad at the enemy for what he's trying to do in your life. The Lord thundered from heaven and the Most High uttered his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire and he sent out his arrows and watch this, scattered the foe. Turn to your neighbor and say, your enemy is getting ready to be scattered in every direction of the compass. Lightnings in abundance and he vanquished them. Do you hear that? He's going to vanquish the enemy because he sins from above. Watch it now. He took me and drew me out of many waters. Drew me out of many waters and delivered me from my strong enemy. I close by asking you, What is your strong enemy? What is the enemy that is greater in strength than the strength you possess? The psalmist said, he delivered me from those who hated me for they were too strong for me. Have you been in one of those kind of situations yet? You wonder where the hate comes from. The anger, the hostility. You didn't do anything to deserve what you're walking through. But the Bible says, when they confronted me in the day of my calamity, the Lord was my support. Not leaning on the arm of man, I'm leaning on the arm of the mighty God of heaven and earth. And the psalmist said, he brought me out into a broad place. 
I'm closing. When it comes to sinking, I know what I'm talking about because I've been there. I found out that there are times in life that there is nobody that you can go to that can give you direction. You try. You go to the wisest counselors, your friends, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife. And you find out nobody can help you. But back to the story of Peter sinking as I finish. Have you ever wondered how he got back in the boat? (laughs) This blesses me. We know that one moment he's going under and that in desperation he's crying out to Jesus. And Jesus reached out his hand and saved him. But did you ever wonder how Peter got back in the boat? Because the next verse says they were in the boat. Did Jesus carry him back to the boat? Did Jesus calm his fears when he reached out his hand and gave Peter enough self-confidence that he could swim back to the boat? I don't think so. I think when Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, he let him walk on what had been the problem that was sinking him. I'm speaking today to somebody that God's going to let you walk on what's been pulling you under. God's going to let you walk on. God's going to lift you up and let you walk on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because you see, Peter is a part of the body of Christ. And those verses in Ephesians says that he gave Christ to be the head of all things, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. No wonder Paul prays that we would have revelation. Because if everything is under the feet of Christ, we're the body of Christ. And the good news is... That means everything's under your feet too. You stop letting the devil lie to you. What's pulling you under is is really under his feet. It might be over your head. Look at your neighbor and say, it might be over your head, but it's under his feet. And now speak a word to them of encouragement. It's going to be under your feet too. Would you do that? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You don't see how, but in God, all things are possible. That's what the resurrection is all about. Because Romans 16, 20 said, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet.